GM, GM, welcome to Web3 Academy. It is the weekly roll-up where we give you everything you need to know in the news from Web3 in the past week. My name is Jay Bird, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Kyle Reedhead. What's up, Kai? What's going on, friends? We got a great show today. I'm actually super excited for it. We are going to talk about Apple wants to take a cut of Ethereum's revenues. Who do they think they are? Uh, we're going to talk about crypto has its iPod moment. Thanks to the inventor of the iPod. Pretty sweet. This is a great story. There's some pretty legitimate rumors that one of the biggest companies in the world is launching an empty marketplace. This is absolutely massive. Uh, and finally, we are going to dive into the idea that everyone needs to wrap their head around that I don't think most people have yet. I'm still just trying to get my head around it. And that is that NFTs are just a new file type for the internet. And we're going to dive into what that means and so much more. There's tons of news, tons of great news. Um, so I'm excited for this episode. Jay, what about you? I'm stoked, man. But we got to start with some gratitude because I got a special one for you today. Today is Kyle's birthday. <laughs> I wish I wish I could have like some like musicians come in and sing happy birthday live to you or something. I should have. <laughs> I should have planned that. I should have planned a mariachi band. If you were still in Mexico, I would have planned a mariachi band to show up wherever you are and play <laughs> happy birthday. <laughs> I would have liked a, a little shot of Mezcal right now, even though it's only 11 o'clock. <laughs> we, maybe we should do a uh, uh, one of those. I don't remember what Tim Ferriss calls it, but where he, him and Kevin Rose, the random show where they both get drunk on the show. Should we do that oh, to, man, the, to, to so end the year? So <laughs> okay, well, I am grateful for... I take you down a little story here. First, I'm grateful for Bill and Sue Reedhead for <laughs> Kai. I don't even know how old you are. are. You are you 33 or 34? 33. 33. 33. Such a youngin'. So young. So for 33 years ago plus nine months, shout out Bill and Sue for doing the deed and making this beautiful human who is one of my best friends and my business partners. Uh, but that wasn't, Bill and Sue didn't introduce me to Kyle. So I got to shout out Emily Moxley, an old friend for at, what, what bar was it at in Toronto? Was it at Locals Only? Uh, Queen Street Warehouse. Or what oh, was it Queen Street Warehouse for on a random Thursday night at Queen Street Warehouse when we were in our 20s and partying a lot more than we were working <laughs> for introducing me to this beautiful human Kyle Reedhead. Uh, and then for three years ago, just for, I guess for Bali, for the happen chance that Kyle and I were in Bali at the same time and sat down at, uh, I can't remember the name of the restaurant uh, and said, hey, you want to start a business? <laughs> <laughs> and here we are today. I love you, bro. Happy birthday. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate you so much. Uh, it's been an incredible journey with you uh, and uh, couldn't be happier to have you as my co-host on uh, on this podcast. So super grateful. Um, my gratitude today just goes to all my friends and family and uh, everyone who's you know already messaged me today. Um, that's the fun thing about birthdays, right? Is you get to you get to catch up with so many people. Uh, social media enables you know people from high school to be messaging you saying happy birthday. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so people you haven't talked to in years, all of a sudden you get to, you know, spend a, a, a quick couple messages back and forth with them. And it's, it's always fun. So just grateful for that. Grateful to be here. Grateful for my birthday and grateful for you, Jay. Thanks, bro. So if you want to give Kyle 
a birthday gift, you can take about 10 seconds and hit like, subscribe, follow on whatever <laughs> app you're listening to this podcast on or on YouTube. And that will be, he will be so excited. Let's all give Kyle a bunch of great social media algorithm bumps here, folks. That would be much appreciated. Even if you want to go a little bit step further, give a review. That's that's the gift that keeps on giving, folks. So take a minute, give Kyle a birthday gift. Before we get into the show, let's just take one minute to hear from our sponsor. The future of social media is here, and that future lives in Web3 on top of Lens Protocol. Web2 social platforms are broken and ripe for disruption. You see, the epicenter of social media is the creators, and yet they are the most neglected. Web2 platforms like Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram are all essentially robbing creators of their worth. Creators are a new type of entrepreneur, forming new types of businesses. Yet with Web2 platforms, creators don't own their content or their profiles, and that's their product and business. Instead, they are tied to the platforms they choose to create on. Well, just like how crypto is freeing us from banks, Web3 is freeing us from these centralized platforms. On Lens Protocol, creators own their content, own their profile, and even their social graph and followers in the form of NFTs. This allows you to move freely from one social application to another with your content, profile, and followers moving along with you. Lens Protocol enables self-sovereignty for your social graph and interoperability across the internet. At Web3 Academy, we believe this is the future of social, and that's why we've partnered with Lens to ensure that the path of social media is heading in the right direction. Visit lens.xyz to learn more today. We are back. We are back for a hell of an episode. I'm excited for a little birthday episode here. Nothing I'd rather do than be with all of you guys talking about a bunch of crazy things happening in Web3. <laughs> uh, and so let's start it off with Coinbase uh, and Apple. We've got some beef going on here. So here's the, here's the news. Apple wouldn't approve Coinbase Wallet's latest app update. And the reason for that is Apple claims that the gas fees required to send NFTs need to be paid through their in-app purchase system so that they can collect the 30% gas fee. Uh, Coinbase tweeted this out and, and uh, said, you know, you might notice you can't do any NFT transfer anymore. They could not actually allow that or enable that. Um, and they tweeted out, they said, for anyone who understands how NFTs and blockchain work, this is clearly not possible. Apple's in-app purchase system does not support crypto. So we couldn't comply even if we tried. Not to mention, like, you can't just take a cut off of the fees of the Ethereum protocol. Like, it just it doesn't work like that. You know what I mean? This isn't a business that you can negotiate with. It's a protocol. <laughs> you don't get a choice here. And so uh, Coinbase says this is the kind of Apple trying to take a cut of fees for every email that gets sent over the internet protocols, um, over the open internet protocols, sorry. So some crazy uh, little news here. Apple is, I guess, fighting back against Web3. Um, I didn't think that they were going to do it by trying to take a cut of the gas fees, um, which is a little bit odd. But um, my main question here, and then I'll throw it over to you, Jay, is, what happens here with the other apps like Instagram and Reddit that are all integrating in NFTs? What happens now? Like Instagram is trying to allow you to mint NFTs and buy NFTs directly in their app. Mm -hmm. Are they now going to be blocked from doing this essentially? Cause they're not going to be able to give this cut either. Um, so do they give up? I mean, they've now tried to create a wallet, create a token. We try to do NFTs. I don't know what's going to happen here. So, well, I mean, you could still, not the greatest user experience, but technically you could still use the browser and 
And, right. And, and but, so for Reddit, for example, browser is fine. People use a browser a lot for Reddit. You use Reddit on desktop. I mean, I don't even have the Reddit app on my phone. So when I go on Reddit on my phone, it's usually browser. But like Instagram is like a very app native platform. Totally. You're, you're, like, you're, if, the, if this stands, you are screwed if you purchase an NFT on an iPhone app, right? right. Like all of a sudden, I, I mean, what, you might not even be able to to, to transfer that to another wallet right now. I don't actually know. I, didn't, I don't, I don't have, you can't. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you want to, you want to do something with your piece of property. You can't do that because, because of Apple. Yeah. I, it's obviously it's a, I, I've got to believe I'm shocked. I was, this news came out uh, December 1st. We're recording this on December 8th. So this was a week ago that this came out. I thought for sure by the time we recorded this episode, that Apple would have an update. And I've been searching for it every day, nothing. So no. so I, I just, wh where's their response to this? I got to believe that they they don't know what they're talking about because this just, this See, just doesn't, this is like, this would be like somebody early in the internet. Like I'm trying to think like Hotmail or AOL saying that every time you send an email, they're going to charge you a fee, right? Yeah. To use a open protocol on the internet like it doesn't make it doesn't well, make sense it's it's also just like it's an expense for someone like if i want to send an nft to someone it's either an expense for a business if they're going to cover or it's an expense for me i got to pay the gas to, to, mm -hmm. to do this thing it's like it's like paying for electricity to right. run my business and now apple wants to take a cut off <laughs> of my electricity bill you know what i mean like it doesn't make any sense um but i assume apple here's the thing Apple probably understands this. I don't think the people at Apple are stupid. Obviously, it's the most valuable company in the world. Mm -hmm. um, so I think they're doing this to put pressure on these companies so that now they have negotiating, like they have leverage, right? Mm. Like, does this stand? Probably not. Apple knows that this, like they just, the whole industry has gone if they do this. Well, at least either the whole industry has gone or everyone leaves Apple, yeah. um, right? Uh, but Apple does this. They always challenge new tech and new like industries so they get their way. And so this is the first way to like, hey, look, guess what? We have the power uh, unless everyone's going to go to Google and they know people won't. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they have their leverage. So we'll see what happens from it. But yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, Solana's phone is now looking pretty uh, <laughs> like a nice, <laughs> nice buy, to be completely honest. Um, but we'll see where this goes. Maybe they do change it. But um, Apple's Apple's flexing their muscles. That's for sure. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I'm going to jump into the next story because talking about hardware, there's a big, big announcement on the wallet side of hardware. And that is that Ledger has announced a new hardware wallet called Ledger Stacks. And I've got a photo of it up on the screen here next to an iPhone, funny enough. Uh, and Kai, this thing looks slick. This is yes. a very, this is, this is the, the iPhone moment for wallet hardware. This is a, a wallet that has a touch screen on it. I mean, I'll just describe it to everybody that's listening. Screen. It's got a touch screen on it. You you can, you know, you can imagine interacting with your coins, with your, your tokens, with your NFTs in a simple way, not the way we use our hardware wallets right now, where you have to plug it into your computer. This thing is fully wireless it operates off bluetooth technology so you can you can interact with all with with your wallet the way that you should be able to that you don't have to connect it to anything i think 
I mean, it's it's real nice. It, it is nice, and it was designed uh, in partnership with the guy that invented the iPod, and so that's Tony <laughs> Fidel. So he designed the iPod. He's the one that designed this, uh, which is why probably it looks so close to an iPhone, but much smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is pretty sweet, and you know, I kind of was like, when I look at the two beside you, I'm like, well, why do I want to hold another? basically another iPhone doesn't really make sense. And then I was thinking, I was like, well, I guess I have this like weird wallet in my back pocket. That's about the exact same size. I have just like a clip wallet where I put my credit cards, my ID, and then any cash that I might have. I don't even have like a spot for change because who needs change? Um, And it's about the exact same size, except this is a tech version of that. And I was like, oh, actually, you know what? That does make sense. My ID will go on there. My money will go on there. And that's what I'll use instead, I guess. But what's interesting is then you kind of think, well, this is like, it looks like an iPhone. It's like, well, why do I need my iPhone? I don't use an, the only thing I use my iPhone for is like to go on apps to, you know, money. Uh, mm-hmm. And then like, I have just like, I don't know, IDs and things like on my phone and then to text obviously. But that, again, that's through apps, but I don't really use my phone as a phone anymore. No one really does that except for like FaceTime, <laughs> I guess. But the thing is, is that if I have this ledger touchscreen, I can go in my ledger and I can interact with, you know, all the web three applications. So I can go in on lens protocol. I can do all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh, because there's a browser built into there. So does the iPhone then become less needed if I have that or do I use both? That's what I wasn't really sure where this goes, um, but it could be a solution maybe to this problem with Apple, right? Um, not that Ledger's trying to do anything with a phone here. It just like, it kind of leads me to believe that that's where they're going here, but I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I think, I think there's, there's I have so many thoughts on this and it's such a great conversation and you make a really good point. Will we long-term one thing I think is not a debate, which is that the, the wallet, both the digital wallet and the physical hardware that we use to store is, is going to change humanity. This is like the next massive evolution of tech and hardware that we are going to see. Mm-hmm. And we will no longer carry around a physical wallet because we won't need physical money anymore. And we won't need physical credit cards and we won't need physical IDs. We won't need a driver's license and a health card right. and my, um, uh, my, my CAA card, which keeps my car safe. If I get into a crash, you know, all these things, right? Like I have physical cards for these. We won't need those because our identity is going to move on chain and our money is moving on chain, right? So question becomes, as you said, will these be two things? Because we already have a phone and the phone is capable of all of this. Will they be two or will it become one? And I don't know if it'll be two or one. I think that the, the natural difference is one of these needs to focus on security and be so I could, that's the reason why I could see these being two is because of security. They all should focus on security. Like what is my phone? My phone is True. literally my data collection of everything. My yeah. money, my, all my passwords, all of my identity, all of my photos, all of whatever. Yeah. So like I see them just merging into one. I think the reason they are two right now is because Apple and Google have not allowed for the tech, the hardware to actually mm-hmm. like have native web three stuff in it like this ledger will and like the solana phone does because you think about it you see these two you have an apple you have a ledger the solana phone is both of these combined into one right like it literally is this um and the cool thing for those who don't really know much about the solana phone or 
when you have like a native hardware that allows for this stuff is that when we do all these like signing transactions and stuff in our MetaMask browser wallets and all that, that you don't need any of that anymore because just you clicking the button to buy or to do whatever sell or whatever, it already assumes it's you because it's on you've, you've had to open it up with your face or whatever. And so you don't need these like extra things to like sign transactions. It's all just native to the phone. So it can interact with the blockchain immediately and you mm -hmm. don't need to like connect in a wallet and do all the stuff. So like this, the, the experience becomes the same as what we do in web two, where I open up my phone and I click an Instagram I'm in Instagram, I can post something and it just posts. Whereas if I use lens, I got to go to a specific browser. I got to connect and then I got to like go and post and then sign a transaction to approve it. All that is removed once the hardware becomes native to web three. And so that's just, that to me, it makes sense that it all becomes one, but I don't know. And maybe Ledger, maybe Ledger becomes a phone. That's, that's what I was going to say. So like, that's I guess my prediction for twenty. The, the question is what happens first. And it's pretty obvious that Ledger is going in the direction of becoming a phone when you I look so. at this new device, right? So what happens first? Does the hardware such as the Solana phone or this, this Ledger wallet become a phone that has the problem with these these to catch up to Apple or even to to Google, oh, yeah. you would you would have to develop you would have to have developers developing all their apps on your phone, and that is that's a massive hurdle that would take yeah, a yeah. decade to catch up with. So what's more likely is that the current hardware we start Web three start they start to accept Web three, and I guess we have ledger apps and different types of apps that allow us to store in a safe way are you know things like our passport because when you go over a border in the future you're going to pull out your hardware wallet or your phone and you're going to the re, the way you're going to use your passport is by proving that this wallet this you own it and then boom i, I use my face it comes right. up and then there's my passport you won't have a physical passport yeah, I, I think it all becomes one and either Apple's forced to start using Web3 apps or we just all move to Web3 apps in the future because it's the utility, like the, the the benefit to all people once the, the UX gets good, it's just it's way better than any Web2 app. So there's just no reason to use these Web2 apps anymore once everything goes Web3. So right. uh, whether Apple does that or it's just Ledger or whoever else, Solana phone like is the one that creates the hardware for it. I don't know, but um, we know that that's the way it's going to go. So someone's going to have to fold. We'll see. All right, what's next? And you know what's interesting about Ledger is they are now, like they have Tony Fidel from Apple, the guy that created the iPod. They also have Ian, Ian Rogers, Ian Rogers. Um, who we're about to talk about in the next story here, who is the guy that created Apple Music. Mm -hmm. um, so like they're bringing all of Apple's people over to Ledger anyway. So that kind of makes me believe we're going to the phone. Anyway, yeah. all right. Next up here on the news, um, and this is this is potentially very 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 big mm -hmm. so there was a podcast on um it's kevin rose's podcast i believe yeah the no it was podcast. actually a ledger's podcast that was ledger's podcast okay so ledger podcast which ian rogers when i was just talking about who used to who the one the guy that invented uh, apple it or apple music sorry um he had kevin rose from proof of moonbirds on the podcast and they were chatting at the 45 minute mark they both I think Kevin first said, he's like, I heard that Amazon from a trustable source that Amazon is launching an NFT marketplace. And Ian said, I've also heard that from a very trustable source. So you have two like really high level people in the Web3 space that are also very well connected in the Web2, just tech world in general and the VC world, et cetera, both saying that they heard this is coming and they believe like this is a for sure thing essentially. So 
this is a really, really big deal. Now, we don't know any details, but we are <laughs> going to give you all the details of what this NFT marketplace is going to be like right now. <laughs> and it is full speculation. <laughs> this is massive. This is massive. It's, it is. And, and, it, and it makes so much sense. And I, I, to me, my take on this is that, as I said, the wallet is the key here. The wallet is the long-term key that everybody's going to want to own. If, if you're a tech company right now and you can own the wallet, then you own the gateway to Web3 that everybody will need to interact through. Same way a, an exchange is also a key gateway. Those are probably the two most important gateways that we're building right now for long-term. And so here's my take on this is by Amazon being the one, sort of the Reddit, what Reddit did. Reddit created something, some 3 million wallets this summer when they launched their NFTs. They didn't launch NFT marketplace, but they launched their NFTs. And so I think Amazon saw that and they were like, yo, we need to figure out a way to start to help people create wallets. And the way to do that is to make an NFT marketplace which can appeal to their current customer base, which do not are not buying NFTs and know nothing about them. So I don't think they're going to call this an NFT marketplace. They're going to call it something else, call it digital collectibles or digital goods. And they're going to allow you to onboard and with a really simple way, set up a wallet. We will see the way they do this, whether you connect a wallet or set up a wallet. But if I were them, I'd be pushing in the direction of you're setting up a wallet with us. Right. And you, you're Trojan horsing a bunch of people into Web3 and into having a wallet on Amazon. Right. Well, then, okay. So there's two things I want people to think about here. So the first one is this. Don't think about the NFT marketplace that they're going to launch being like OpenSea, where they're going to, mm-hmm. where they're going to allow a bunch of like, you know, speculation and transfers of like monkey pictures. That's not what that Amazon sees here, in my opinion. What I think people need to understand is that all products are eventually going to be an NFT. I'm not saying that the product itself is an NFT, but the means of commerce is going to be via a non-fungible token. Why? Because it's a more efficient means of commerce that doesn't require third parties, right? So every time you buy anything on the internet right now, it requires you to use something like PayPal, Stripe, um, WooCommerce, which actually uses PayPal, sorry, credit card, like whatever. It requires companies to allow and enable that purchase to happen. Right. And then it has to connect with these different databases, whether that be the Stripe one over to the WordPress one, if you sold it on WordPress or on Amazon, whatever. Data is mixed. It's, it's, it's a mess. Okay. When a product is sold as just the purchase part of it, so you can mm-hmm. buy anything, it could be a TV, right? But the way you purchase that is via an NFT because it's smoother rails, it's instant settlement, it's global, right? You don't have to worry about all the bullshit that happens in the background anymore. Um, and it also then is trackable. Right. So then you can have, you can track the customers on who's buying it. You can see, you know, you can create better experience for them for additional purchases. Um, so it like, it just enables so much more. And then also the reselling of it, right. It creates a way better experience, gets rid of a lot of scams and fraud, et cetera. So like think of NFT as a means of commerce and what is the biggest commerce in the world? Well, that's Amazon. Right. And so Amazon sees this as a new form of purchasing things on the internet and they want their I'm assuming they want their NFT marketplace to be that. So it's a, it's, you got to think differently. It's not the NFTs that we know of. They're not going to be, a, I mean, sure. They'll probably allow you to buy like these communities and stuff, but that's not the real big thing that's going on with NFTs here in the future. So um, 
anyway, that's what I think there. In terms of wallet, you make a good point, Jay. If they create their own wallet, they can kind of own a lot of it. But I actually think if we think a few years out, just based off our conversation here with Ledger, I don't know that these browser wallets and these like all these wallets we have right now are going to matter once it becomes part of the hardware. If we Mm. all use Solana phone or Ledger phone, let's call it, I don't need a Reddit wallet or an Amazon wallet or a MetaMask or any of that because it's just my phone is my wallet. It's just already there. And it just exists the moment I turn my phone on. Right. So I don't need any of these anymore. But, but we're years away from that happening. But that's the yeah. way I see it going. But yeah. also, right now, my my Apple phone is it gives me the ability to use my credit card, but it's right. not my credit card. Right. So I wonder long term which way that goes. Cause if let's a lot of people will just stick what they start with, right? How many people do you know that still use a Hotmail email address? It's ridiculous. Yeah, like, yeah it's crazy. You know? Um, that is crazy. But this is big. I don't know when it's happening. They haven't said anything, but this is this can will be a big deal. And we're going to talk more about NFTs and what they really are in a second, actually. To Yeah, I just think, I, I think that you make a really good point about NFTs and the, the interoperability they allow, the opportunity to be on crypto on-chain payment rails, all these things that it's just so interesting to be in a space so early. It's like, it's like we're, imagine we had a podcast where we talked about like Wi-Fi technology and you and I were all hyped up on like the new, the new, you know, LTE and 5G. Nobody would listen to that podcast. Everyone would be like, who the, who the fuck cares? Like, I don't, or Wi-Fi first came out, maybe they would. Maybe, maybe, but like, you know, that's sort of what Web3 is like right now. We're in this space, we're talking about the tech so much that really what people care about is, oh, because LTE came out and Wi-Fi got faster, I can now stream 4K videos on Mm. my bus ride to work, right? Like right, right, that's right. what people care about. And so we're, we're getting there. And that's what we try to talk about all the time on this podcast is the real utility and the real applications and the use cases of web three, but we're still in that protocol infrastructure phase. Yeah. And so I think the word NFT will go and you're so right. The way it's used is something that we don't quite understand yet. It's not just JPEGs. hundred percent. We'll get into that in one second. What's next though. First. Okay, next up, we've got Stripe is introducing a customizable and embeddable fiat to crypto on-ramp. This is simple and amazing. High fives to Stripe because this is going to make it so easy for anybody, any developer. Developers have this challenge right now. And my gosh, deep bow to all the Web3 developers out there. Mm-hmm. And if you're not a Web3 developer, but you're a Web2 developer, please come over to Web3. We need we need more of you. You know, we've only got about 10,000 of them right now. We'd like, we'd like more. There's a big opportunity. It's a lot of VC money. Come, come join the space. So the challenge that developers have is when you develop something right now, you've got you've got to think about, okay, how do I get somebody to have an on-ramp to have crypto well, let's in just read order what, to pur- purchase. Let's just read what Stripe says. They actually lay this out perfectly, which is this. Go ahead. Some of a Web3 developers' most basic needs are still poorly served. Today, it's extremely difficult to get an end user on-chain. That is, to fund their wallet with the crypto required to interface with Web3 applications. Developers have to wrestle with rampant fraud, navigate complex KYC requirements, and somehow still offer a seamless 
high conversion payments experience so that their users can actually use their web three applications. And so, you know, you think about this, like there's so much friction to use a web three application right now to invest, not that big of a deal. You open up your Coinbase account, you move your money under there. And then you just like, you know, you can either just invest right on Coinbase or you can move it to your MetaMask wallet and then buy a token. But if you want to actually interact with a wallet, like let's say a lens protocol or, you know, whatever else, like you want to actually use these social apps or these things, you need to have a wallet and you need to have some money in there, a micro amount. Usually you want to play a Web3 game. You need to have some money in there to pay for gas, to make these like transactions happen for very micro payments. Well, you have to go through all of those steps right now to do that. KYC, get an account, move it over. Like It's insane, right? It makes no sense. And so what Stripe is trying to enable here is not necessarily a solution to like, if you want to throw 20K into SHIB, right? You're still <laughs> going to have to go the old KYC way. What they're enabling here is a way for anyone to just be able to jump into a game or into a social network or into whatever that's in Web3 and like immediately and easily, like seamlessly, make that happen without having to go and get a Coinbase account, all this kind of stuff, which is massive because the amount mm -hmm. we rely on these centralized exchanges is insane at the moment. Um, and so what they've built here, because we didn't really explain that yet, is a fiat to crypto on-ramp, um, which is a customizable widget that a developer can embed directly into a DEX, into an NFT marketplace, uh, into a wallet, into any DAP, into any website. And what happens is, if it's over a certain amount and KYC is recovered, Stripe is, is um, not required. required, required, sorry. Stripe handles all of that. So they handle the KYC, which is great. Um, they handle all the payments, the fraud, the compliance, um, removing the need to integrate with multiple third-party services. So it just makes it much more seamless. Now, part of this means Stripe gets a lot of that data and that's the centralization point with these KYCs and stuff. But we have to do that if we're going to be moving large amounts of money because that's just the way the world works, right? But what you need to realize is that for anything, I think the KYC number is like under $600. Our, um, our writer and researcher, Miles, was supposed to look this up for us and didn't do it. So this is just me giving him a little uh, <laughs> that, that he left here on this episode. But I think it's around $600 in the US, which means that anything under that, you don't need to go through all that. And it's basically just you can move your fiat easily from a credit card, from a debit card, from a bank account right in and you can boom, go play your Web3 game right? Or your whatever you want to do. So it makes it and you don't have to worry about the centralized exchange and stuff. So it's really, really cool. And you can already see it. in like, if you connect your phantom wallet to Magic Eden, mm -hmm. it's right in there, I can immediately fund my wallet right into Magic Eden by an NFT um, seamlessly. It's actually really, really nice. So um, well done, Stripe. We need this. Yeah, I think you nailed it when you said the, this comes back to the biggest way that we are going to use Web3 is not the way that we currently do with these large investments, right. you know, we're not going to be long-term buying $10,000 of crypto or buying a $100,000 ape. The way that we're using web three is through micro transactions to play a game, to pay a little bit of gas, to mint an NFT, you know, because you want to, we're going to talk about this in a second, because you want to make a file into an NFT. It's, it's the need to have a couple hundred dollars on on your wallet so that you can interact with all of these different dApps, all these different marketplaces, all these different exchanges. That's the key. And this is the simplest way that we've seen that you can do that. Even things to get rid of spam across the internet. One of the things we talked to yeah. the founder of GM.xyz, which is GM is like um, Web3 version of Discord. 
and they had a bunch of spam too. Just like, I mean, all Web3 applications still spam, but they said all we did was we made it where there's a requirement that you, ho that you hold like a tiny, tiny little bit amount of ETH in your, in your wallet, right? Like the tiniest little bit. And once we did that, it basically got rid of like 99% of all, of all scammers. And so even just that, so probably what happens eventually is like you need to have just a little bit in your wallet just to prove you're a human, right? And you're not a scammer. And so even that we need this kind of thing for. So um, pretty cool. And that's kind of the way I see it going. You're gonna need something in that wallet. The, the other thing I, I, we just got to mention here is the way this crypto to fiat on-ramp works, this widget that PayPal made works is you are, it's not, it's not in a pay, it's sorry, I said PayPal, Stripe. It's not in a Stripe wallet. You're, you're buying crypto with your credit card and then you're sending it to whatever address you want to. So you can send it to your MetaMask, your whatever wallet you want, right? right. So right. what this does is it allows us to rely less on centralized exchanges, which we have seen how many times this year caused so many issues. So another, sh an, it's, a, it's a leg up for decentralization, even though I realize Stripe is a centralized company, they're, they're not trying to centralize this money in their own exchange. They're just allowing you to use their rails to get it into your own wallet. It's also a risk factor, right? If the government wants to crack down on all the centralized exchanges, they can do that. And then we're all screwed, um, <laughs> right? So this at least gives us like a, a little bit of way to get some money into the system without, without relying on centralized exchanges. All right, let's talk about the next piece of news. Jay, what do we got going on here with Opera Browser? Yeah, so Opera Browser, uh, which I, I would assume that lots of people know what Opera Browser is, but it's, it's, a, it's a leading browser, not one of the not biggest, but it's a it's a big one. Very popular, I think, with the uh, the younger generation. And Opera Browser is what they've done is they partnered with Altion Launch Launchpad to let beginners of Web three or the NFT space easily mint NFTs. So they're making a browser extension in their browser where you can mint an NFT. Now. My question about this I mean, is you can just drag and drop the file right into the extension and boom, it creates an NFT for you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's super se seamless way to mint an NFT. Um, but my question about this is what, why do you need to be able to, if you're a creator, you can go use Bueno, which is a app that is made to enable any creator to seamlessly create the art for a 1,000 to a 10,000 NFT collection to create the rarity, to make the smart contract, and then to launch that connect, to mint that collection on chain. Uh, so Bueno makes that super, super easy. Why do you need a browser extension to, to do that? I, I, I'm just not sure I see that. So I think the, the thing that people are missing on NFTs is we're still stuck in 2020 and 2021, right? Um, and the point that people are missing is that NFTs are just a new file type for the internet. So when you think of JPEG or you think of like a PPT, a PowerPoint or a mm -hmm. PDF, these are all just, or an MP3 or an MP4. These are just file types that we use on the internet, right? And we can put media files into those. Could be video, could be uh, whatever, okay? An NFT, just think of it as a new one of those. Now we've used those only in these weird like, collectible ways where you have like 10,000 of them and it makes community and people are trying to create utility around them, blah, 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 whatever. That's not what an NFT is. It's a file type. And think about this. It's a file type that allows that file to be scarce and or trackable, 
right? Mm -hmm. Now, why is that important? Well, think about like now with, with NFT, I can't do this with a PDF or with the JPEG. I can see who was the person that created that and when. I can see mm -hmm. who are all the people that have interacted with it and when, right? Mm -hmm. I can see, um, uh, I can, I can able to sell it or buy it, et cetera. I can't do that with a PDF and all this other stuff, okay? I need to like wrap it in something else if I wanna sell a PDF, right? So you have all that. Now, why does that even matter, okay? Think about this, for example. Let's say I create a meme, okay? I made a funny picture and I was like, oh, this one's gonna go viral. People are gonna like this, okay? Right now I can throw it on Facebook or on Twitter or whatever, and it goes viral. And a bunch of people can claim that that was theirs, cool, right? Even an NFT, if I make it as an NFT, a bunch of people can do the same thing and mint it, right? But Imagine this. Now we can just look up all of the ones of those memes and go, which was the first one ever minted on the blockchain? Okay, mm -hmm. that one. And it was KyleRita.eth who did it. Okay, so he created that meme. Okay, now I can look at that meme and go, who are all the people that have interacted with this thing that have, have you know collected it or shared it or whatever? I can see that now. And then if that meme actually becomes like so big that it might go in a commercial or a big influencer is going to use it or whatever, I can put some sort of royalty or some sort of tax on it where I can actually get income back to the meme of the piece of content that I created, right? So it's just a, it's, it's literally just a file type that happens to allow you to be a file type for video, for GIFs, for, or GIFs, whatever, for um, audio, for whatever, and allows you to track it. That's, that's all an NFT is. Now, what can come of that? What use cases come of that? There are thousands of use cases we're already seeing. We already talked about the collectibles way. We talked about the things in games. We've talked about how commerce is, we're gonna use it that way. These are all just a file type. That's all it is. So what this is doing with Opera Browsers, I, I don't know if anyone here remembers doing this, but I used to grab a YouTube link and I would put it into this program that would convert the YouTube video from its link into an MP3 file and then I could move it onto my iPod, right? <laughs> Can't believe that's what we used to do. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, this is basically that, right? But for trackable files. Okay, so if I have any file I want, I can just drag it, drop it into this thing and boom, it's now a trackable file, which is actually amazing because if I create a presentation, if I create a piece of content, whatever, it's way better to have it as a trackable file always because maybe I can sell it one day. I can see who's using it. So like, it's just a better file for the internet. That's mm -hmm. all. And so that's what I think Opera is doing here, which is actually super, super cool. Yeah, the ability to do that so easily in your browser is a is a massive unlock. And I think you're right that the the use cases of this, we haven't quite, we, we haven't seen those yet. But when you want to take, I mean, I think one, one use case that we're going to see a lot is like certifications and work and resumes. And so when you want to take those things and you want to put them on chain, right? Not just like uh, you know, an image, but anything you want to take and put on chain. But I think the problem is even just the language on chain right now, people are like, well, so what? Like, why would I want to put it on chain? Right. What does that do? What does that allow? And that's, that's the unlock that we're still, we need the world to have is as right. you said, right. Understanding that it's trackable and why that matters, understanding that it's interoperable and why that matters, that it's composable and why that matters. That it can be scarce and why that matters. Yes. Well, it's, yeah. it's the same as like in the nineties when someone have a website, you're like, okay, I'm going to move my business online. They're like, cool, but why? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, why would you put it online? You're like, uh, cause anyone can see it globally. Yeah. <laughs> anyone around the world, they don't have to like come here on by foot. And people even then were like weird. 
No yeah, one's going to see it. And I, I, <laughs> and I can sell it to anybody globally. And it's like, right. but, but nobody, I don't want to buy something online. I don't trust right, that. Right, exactly. Right? No so this, the same thing is going to happen here. And this goes on with our story last week when we talked about content NFTs with articles, right? Mm-hmm. Same idea here. That's all this is. I can take an article, boom, upload it, and now it's PDF. Why? Because I can see who's collecting it, right? And I can sell it if it happens to become cool. So um, anyway, we're going to do a deep dive on this. We're bringing in a, a pretty cool expert in the, um, in the new year, and we're going to do a deep dive on this whole idea of NFTs as just a new file type for the internet. Um, so get ready for that. It's going to be exciting. All right, one more big piece of news for the day. Yeah, Telegram. so Telegram is building decentralized tools. Telegram is one of the largest telecommunications platforms, apps, uh, they've got 55 million daily active users. So we're talking about a, a large platform that is very much in support of decentralization, in support of the power of the blockchain. And I'm just going to read you. So their CEO came out with this tweet because they've launched a few things in the past month. Uh, but I'm just going to read you some stuff from this tweet. He talks about how the blockchain industry was built on the promise of decentralization but ended up being concentrated in the hands of a few who began to abuse their power. The solution is clear. Blockchain-based projects should go back to their roots, decentralization. Cryptocurrency users should switch to trustless transactions and self-hosted wallets. We, developers, should steer the blockchain industry away from centralization by building fast and easy-to-use decentralized applications for the masses. Such projects are finally feasible today. Then he talks about how it took only five weeks and five people to put together Fragment. Fragment is their fully decentralized auction platform where you can purchase Telegram usernames. And they did this on the open network, which is a layer one blockchain that they themselves built and essentially allows, they're promoting their blockchain network here and saying, hey, it's layer one that's easy for developers to use, which gets back to my point before of how everybody is trying to bring in more developers into the space and say, hey, I've got the blockchain that's the easiest to build on and you can come build in a decentralized way on our blockchain. Now, Fragment has had amazing success. They've done 50 million in worth of sales of usernames in less than a month. 50 million? 50 million, five zero million. million. Come on. Of usernames, of usernames. Shows you how much we care. Oh, 50 million US dollars worth. Okay, gotcha. I like to say 50 million usernames. 50 million USD, 50 million USD. It shows you how much we care about our digital identity, right? We all want our digital identity. I mean, it also kind of makes makes you look at Lens and go, wow, like thanks for giving out usernames for free. (laughs) Lens could easily start to charge for that. Please don't, Lens. Uh, So... This week, Telegram also announced that they're launching uh, numbers now. So you can purchase a number, basically like a decentralized phone number that also exists on the ton, the open network blockchain. I think the, the, real, the real tweet here and the real purpose of this story is that Telegram, one of the largest deep, largest telecom platforms in the world, social media platforms, is focused on building decentralized tools. They're focused, they want to be part of building non-custodial wallets and decentralized exchanges, whether them building that themselves or whether they're going to encourage other developers to do that through ton their layer one network, because they believe that this fixes the wrongs that have been caused by the current excessive centralization 
And this is something, you know, we keep coming back to centralization is an issue. So let's and support decentralization. That's the news here is that they're, they're actually creating a non-custodial wallet and in a, a DEX, a decentralized exchange that they're going to be integrating into, into Telegram. So they're, they're, they're building a DEX, they're building a wallet, and they're trying to integrate that into this communication platform that they have. And what's mm -hmm. interesting, I think of this is like the, the, the large tech platforms in the US, Facebook and, you know, Twitter, et cetera, they have wanted to integrate into financial services for a very long time, but the government has never let them, right? Um, and when you look over in China, you have Tencent and, um, and WeChat, which they have done this. So when we are in the US and Canada and most of the world, we have like hundreds of apps on our phones and a bunch of them are different financial services, their social stuff and whatever. In China, it's like you have like two apps. It's like WeChat and Tencent. And it's like, it's all your social life. It's all of your banking. It's all of your finances. Like everything is done in that one app. And so the amount of data and the amount of power that these companies have in China is unbelievable. The US doesn't want that to happen in, in um, this side of the world. So we've always kept them separate. I think Jack Dorsey tried to do this with Twitter, which was to bring in his company mm -hmm. Block or Square at the time into Twitter. I think he wasn't able to. Facebook tried to like do a bunch of different things, could never be able to. And so this is sort of, it looks to me anyway, like Telegram is trying to do that, but they're going to do it in a Web3 way, um, which they'll be able to do, except for the fact that the Telegram is a Web2 application and mm -hmm. that can get blocked or shut down or regulated at any time they want. Um, so yeah, we'll see where this goes. It's kind of interesting, but um, this whole idea of like our social apps integrating in with our financial apps is definitely where the future is going. Um, it's probably going to be all via Web three apps though, because regulate there's too many regulations on these on these Web two companies. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, so long as it's decentralized, then I yeah. think we all fully support it. The problem becomes if it's centralized, we're just we're creating more mega companies. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. WeChat is one of the biggest companies in the world and they only operate in China. <laughs> like, yeah, right. you know, they're not even outside of China. They just, because they own everything. And even Elon Musk has come out and said that he wants to turn Twitter into WeChat basically because right. of the user experience. It is nice user experience yeah, to have experience. all your banking and all your communications in one app. It is nice, but there's issues when it's all centralized. Well, what's great is your banking doesn't need to be what we think of banking anymore. Your banking is just a MetaMask wallet and Uniswap. There's mm -hmm. your bank. You know what I mean? Like Uniswap, I can exchange anything I want from anyone. Uh, MetaMask, there's my bank. I just hold it right there, right? And then I have, I can just integrate into any marketplace and do whatever I want. I can buy everything in the world eventually. And so that ends up being our bank. And so that's what needs to get integrated into uh, these Web2 social platforms. Or I don't know, we have a Web3 social platform and we get rid of the Web2 stuff. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but that's the way to do it for sure. Cool. Love it. All right. Nice. Let's say uh, if you're if you're a developer or a builder, we're going to take a minute to listen to our sponsor. You're going to want to listen to this one because those building you should be using Unlock. Check this out. Unlock protocol is the NFT membership protocol for Web3. Content subscriptions, community access, event tickets are all forms of memberships. One of the most common business models for creators and entrepreneurs today. Building an NFT membership opens many new possibilities for your members. Everything from tailored multi-platform experiences to the ability to sell an unfinished subscription on secondary markets. These are things just not possible in Web2. However, in order for this business model to work, creators need NFTs which are time-bound or have built-in recurring payments. Unlock Protocol does this for your NFTs. 
Better yet, with a few simple steps, you can create your own NFT contract without code. What WordPress has done for websites, Unlock Protocol is doing for membership NFTs. If you're an NFT creator, you can't rely on royalties as they are likely going to zero. You need recurring revenue. You need Unlock. At Web3 Academy, we believe NFT memberships are the future of business and community. And that's why we decided to build on Unlock. Learn more at unlock-protocol.com. Welcome back. Welcome back. All right. It's NFT of the month time. Kai, you excited? I'm excited. Who's the winner? All right. The winner. Well, let me tell you who is the four entrants this month. Zen Academy, Valhalla, Space Runners, and Psychedelic NFT. And the winner is Zen Academy. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Zen Academy. You're a member of Zen Academy, aren't you? I, I am a member of Zen Academy. So, uh, yeah, disclose, I am a holder. So Zen Academy has, the reason that they were nominated this month is because they've done something really interesting recently. So they first launched about a year ago, and they launched with two NFTs, a uh, 10,000 collection that was a membership to their community and a 333 collection that was a membership to their Founders Club that essentially was a way to get access to Zeneca, the founder's time. So if you're in the 333 Club, you can book into his calendar. Now, a year ago when they launched this, they didn't really want to focus. Their focus wasn't on the art. They were only focused on the utility, which is actually amazing because at that time, not a lot of people were focused on the utility. And so when they launched this, in order to focus on the utility, they didn't they didn't work with an artist. They didn't have a PFP. So they just wanted to get out of to market. So they actually launched these NFTs as ERC 1155s, which means that they are essentially semi-fungible. So they had two additions, the 333 and the Genesis token. And if you own one of these, it's a, the actual image is a piece of paper that explains what you get in your membership. Now, here's the problem. The ERC-1155 token doesn't show up on any of the marketplace leaderboards. It's not recognized on the marketplace leaderboards. And also in the last year, we saw that PFPs are so popular because of their ability and their connection to your identity. And Zen Academy is a leading collection, but they're not getting the credit because they're not on any of these leaderboards. And they also aren't giving their users an opportunity to show off that they're part of Zen Academy through their PFP. So what they did was they went and they made a PFP collection. And a week ago, they launched this PFP collection. And here's how they did it. You can go and burn your ERC-1155 token. Mm -hmm. When you burn it, you get an ERC-721, probably an ERC-721A token is my guess. I haven't actually looked at the contract. Um, and you get that token. Now, right now, that token is a Zen chest. And so that Zen chest is, is a, basically, it's a pre-reveal, right? And I'm not sure if that, if you'll then have to burn that is probably my guess, sort of like Renga has done and Artifact has done. A lot of these larger collections have done this popular 
you get a chest or a black box and then you can decide whether you want to burn that to get the actual pfp but really interesting to see the my main takeaway from this and why zen academy has just done so well is they just build and at the time a year ago they didn't focus on necessarily knowing what the right smart contract code to use was they just built and they got it out to market and now a year later they figured out how to make it on better rails that fit what they need for their business and their utility and their users long term and so and they did it in a fun way and it actually led to an incredible campaign zen academy has gotten a lot of attention because they've called it the summoning everybody's participating they got all their users to post on twitter hey we're, we're part of the summoning everyone's excited hey i've burned mine have you burned yours yet have you collected so really a really powerful campaign and a really great example of just build and then figure out the details later sometimes. What I like too is he focused on like building real community and creating mm -hmm. utility to that community, giving value to that community rather than the stupid picture, right? Mm -hmm. First. And and what I actually wrote when I wrote this, like how to tokenize a community, I said I was like, the picture doesn't matter. Like you don't need a picture. And, and if you look at the best communities probably in this space of like real community, it's Jump and Zen Academy, which both didn't have a picture at all. There was mm -hmm. no PFP there. They just created some amazing value to their community and that was their success. But I did say in that article that I wrote that the uh, one of my uh, recommendations is you should still do a PFP though, because it is great branding, right? Yes. It's amazing free marketing to have all of your community like show themselves on social platforms. So like, why would you not do that? The fact that it works with zero community and zero value shows you that this is a great addition to something that actually has some value. So I think Zen Academy noticed that and they're like, hey, we're missing out on some free branding here. Why wouldn't we do this? We already have this amazing value. Let's also add the PFP portion to it. Um, and then that gives just free branding and free marketing. So why wouldn't you do that? So it's, it's super smart. But I just, I love that that wasn't the thing they cared about first. Mm -hmm. They did a great community. And that's that's the that's the summary of it all. So good job, Zeneca. We got to get you back on the podcast again soon. Definitely. Way to go, Zen Academy. Shout out to that team. Love you guys. All right, let's get into the quick hits of the month. First up, Kai, I got you here. OpenSea updates categories to add gaming, membership, PFP, and sports collectibles. What's going on here? Yeah, it's interesting. They also removed, I think, the category utility and the category just collectible, uh, which is funny because when NFTs first came out, it was like everything was either just art or a collectible. And then everyone was like, but they need utility. So that became a category, which is... <laughs> Which there is, was a category called utility. Yeah, it's like they all will have utility to someone in some way if they're actually a good product or a good business. You know what I mean? Like, like utility is just a stupid category. So anyway, they got rid of that. Um, and yeah, we're just seeing that the NFT market is maturing and there's more and more use cases and people are somewhat beginning to understand what these things are more. Hopefully this episode really helped because we did actually go through a lot of things there. Um, but yeah, like gaming memberships, of course, that should be its own category. PFP still questionable. Why is that a category? I don't know. Like my membership could be a PFP. So could my gaming thing. Like, um, so I don't know about that category and then sport collectibles. Yeah. That's been a huge one. Um, so it makes complete sense. So I think we'll continue to see this update. Um, but there's again, no way that OpenSea can handle it all. So I think as Jay always talks about, we'll have niche marketplaces. A million um, marketplaces. That's the way we're going. Yeah. Okay. Next up, MoonPay to roll out Soulbound NFT loyal program. What's this? MoonPay's crushing it these days. Yeah, MoonPay. We talked about them last week with Keith Grossman moving from Time over to MoonPay, and now we are talking about them again, uh, and for good reason. They're a a leading company that's focused on onboarding people in a simple way to Web three, and what they're doing here 
is they've announced a NFT loyalty program using Soulbound NFTs. And that's a key. Interesting that they've decided to use Soulbound NFTs. Uh, the reason they've decided to use Soulbound NFTs is they want to keep you in their ecosystem. So this is kind of web 2.5 in a way, right? They're not allowing you to transfer and sell these on the open marketplace. Uh, they're giving you, basically, this is a this is a web, yeah, I was going to say web three loyalty program. This is like a web 2.5 loyalty program. They're calling it the web three passport. And essentially what happens is you will collect soulbound NFTs for your activity on MoonPay. So when you purchase something, think about this very much like a credit card loyalty program. So if I have an American Express, which I do when I purchase things on my American Express, I get American Express points and then I can log in to American Express and I can redeem those points for travel and I can redeem those points for products or for events. And that's essentially what MoonPay is doing here. Even their, uh, some, their spokesperson from their team, trying to find the quote here, even said, we're becoming more like an American Express. That is mm -hmm. clearly their objective is to offer points within their system so that they can create loyalty. And then you'll be able to redeem those points for different things. They said the focus in the beginning will be that you'll be able to redeem them for things related to fashion, art, sports, music, and entertainment. And it'll roll out early next year. Very interesting. All right, next up, Rainbow is making a browser extension. Yeah, so Rainbow is a pretty popular Web3 wallet. And it's like, it's meant to be easy UX for kind of new people to really, it's, it just makes it much easier to use than MetaMask. And MetaMask has a browser extension. I think so does Coinbase Wallet. And um, so Rainbow is now doing this. I think they all do this. And there's a few reasons why, actually. So a browser extension makes sense, again, because I talked about earlier in the show, the sort of like native, like using apps natively in Web3 where you don't need to have to sign transactions. That's how it works when you use like the MetaMask browser extension, et cetera. It's like, it just like, it plugs you right into the Web3 stuff. And it's like, you're doing it through your wallet. So it's auto connects and it just makes this, the experience easier. So Rainbow is doing that as well. Now, it is a little bit weird to like go into an app and then go into a browser from that app. Um, but I just was thinking as you were talking there, I wonder if this allows them to get around the Apple policy. So if I try to get mm -hmm. you to transfer an NFT directly in the Coinbase wallet app, can't do that. But if you go into the browser portion of it, now you're just opened up to the whole internet again. Mm -hmm. And I think you can then go do it there. Mm -hmm. And... So I wonder if Rainbow is doing this because of this reason. They saw it was coming with Apple and they're like, shit, you're not going to be able to move NFTs. But if you go to the browser right now, you can. I think. I don't know for sure. And so if anyone knows, feel free to correct me. But that's the idea that just popped in my mind as we were talking here. I'll leave it at that. Um, next up. Uh, but if someone does know, please let me know. Maybe we should talk to, to the Rainbow crew. Yeah, that's, that's um, an interesting take. Yeah. Professional Soccer League La Liga puts we think physical back tokens into game balls, into soccer balls. Yes. Yeah, so this is really cool and a very simple use case. We're all watching the world cup right now. Uh, maybe, maybe you're not watching it anymore if your country's out, but if your country's in, especially if you're in Morocco, shout out to Morocco, 
representing Africa, still going, still going in the World Cup in the quarterfinals. Unbelievable. I hope we have some listeners in Morocco. That would make me very happy. That was a sweet uh, also game. a great country. Traveled there before. Love it. Uh, so what what happens in in professional sports is there's famous goals. So let's talk about the World Cup. There's famous goals, and what they will often do is in at the end of a tournament, they might auction off the soccer ball that was scored in that goal. Now, mm. here's the thing. In a soccer game or in a baseball game or in a basketball game or in a football game, any of these major sports, obviously, they don't just have one ball, right? They have many that are used throughout the game, right? Otherwise, you can imagine a soccer game that only had one ball and the ball goes into the crowd and they got to run into the crowd to get it back. Like It doesn't make any sense, right? So... The question becomes, how do they know which ball was the one that was scored during that goal? Well, quite honestly, they often don't. So what they're doing here is they're putting a PBT inside the ball so that they can track the ball and know exactly which ball was the one that was scored. And then they can auction that off. And then when they auction that off and you get that ball, you now have an NFT attached to that ball, which means you can easily trade it and easily transfer it. And you can prove authenticity that this is the actual ball. And as you said, Kai, earlier, let's say you end up selling it and we're 100 years down the road, you could see who owned that ball and you could see the full transaction history of it. And if we go back to our Chainlink episode on dynamic NFTs, they can link that data from the PVT back to the NFT and change and alter that NFT to show that it was like the ball that was scored by X person or they could like do something cool with that NFT, uh, which is actually pretty sweet. Totally. Well, next week we've got somebody coming on the show uh, to talk about what the Australian Open is doing with tennis balls during the tournament. The Australian Open is in a, a month in January. And during the tournament, they're using NFT tech in tennis balls to, again, create more interaction to show which ball is the right ball. But also, you can imagine the way that they can engage through NFTs dynamically based upon, oh, this, this ball landed in this part of the court. And you could do like betting right you could say like i bet that the winning shot will be in this part of the court and then if you're right in the winning shot you could win money and win prizes and stuff Jay, you're already cool. an nft degen now you're gonna go be a sports betting degen too <laughs> <laughs> maybe i already am one you don't, you don't know <laughs> well what an episode that was fantastic jay i love it man that was a great one happy birthday kai Thank special, you so very special day to be celebrating you. And uh, thanks everybody for listening in. Have have a great weekend, folks. And if you, there's a few questions that we asked. Please hit us up with uh, any thoughts, comments you have. If you want to just wish Kyle a happy birthday, you can find him on Twitter. Hop into our Discord. We'd love to see you guys. Love you guys. Love everybody. See y'all. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy. We hope this helps you along your Web3 journey. If it does, please share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Nothing in this podcast was financial advice. Crypto and Web3 can be risky. You can literally lose it all. In fact, if you invest on account of what we say, you probably will lose it all. So don't do that. In all honesty, the point of this podcast is to remove the noise of markets and price and focus on utility and implementation anyway. So you should not take any of this as financial advice. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.